0: It is certainly a day of celebration, a weekend of celebration for our country of so many great things. And it's such a blessing to to live here, of course, and to have the history that we have. As I was reading this week from our Declaration of Independence, which says this, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I love that. We believe that all people are created equal. Now that is a high standard right there. When you're starting off a country and, and you start off that with that as an ideal, not just saying that Americans are great, but that all people are created equal. We know where that came from, right? That comes straight out of our faith. The belief that Jesus gave his life for everyone, that God calls us to love everyone. This is right out of our faith. And as we look at our nation's history, we can see so many times we've lived this out really, really well. And we see other times where we haven't. Where well, we haven't. It's a high standard that we set. And from our earliest days, this was a struggle. For while we, on the one hand, said these words that all men are created equal, at the same time, we were enslaving folks from Africa. It doesn't go together. It doesn't go together. And we have dealt with the, the problems, the evils of that sin Ever since as a society, you know sin causes problems generation after generation after generation and In so many ways as a country, I feel that we've made great progress and we celebrate that we do We celebrate that and we thank God for that by the same token We're not there yet We're not there yet to truly living into this belief that all people are created equal and so today we're going, to, we're going to look at the fact that God calls us to love all because all are created equal. And we're going to talk about a, a topic that's difficult. And that topic is how do we love those who are different from us? How can we have racial unity in this, car, in this, in this country? And, you know, if you're, if you're reading the uh, How to Be a New Pastor manual it doesn't usually include talking about racial unity real early on right and i'm aware of this and let me just be totally honest with you today there's kind of two emotions that i have they're very different on the one there is a fear inside of me that that fear is simply that since we don't know each other really well yet that you might hear me talk and you might simply listen For the right key words or phrases that will tell you whether or not I align with your beliefs on everything. And if so, I'm awesome. And if not, (laughs) not so much. But that fear is greatly overshadowed by the second feeling, and that is a feeling of great hope. I have hope. First of all, in God, and the power of the Holy Spirit, to change my heart, to change our hearts, to convict me of my sin, to help all of us together to grow in our faith in Jesus. I have hope in that. But second, I have great hope in us. Because to talk about tough topics implies trust. And I want you to know that I may be new, but I trust you. I do. And I'm not blindly doing that. I've literally got to meet in homes now with hundreds of you in life groups already. And I'm not done yet, by the way. There's still some more on my calendar that I look forward to. But I trust you. And you might say, well, that's crazy. You're too new. I do. I do. Uh, I'm your pastor. I love you. I trust you. And God's word will sometimes take us to, to difficult places. And I'll always be willing to go there with you because God calls me and you to grow in holiness. So today as we talk about this, I've been praying a prayer, and I just want to invite you to pray this prayer with me today that, that we would be attuned to God's voice. So it's on the screen. Would you pray this aloud with me? God, soften my heart that I might truly see people as you see them and love them as you love them. Confront anything in my heart that falls short of your perfect love for all people. Holy Spirit, convict me of my sin and fill me with your love and power. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to tell you a story today from the Bible that we know pretty well and probably we like it. But the truth is, when this story was first told, it would have been offensive to its original listeners. It was a hard story for them to hear. But before we dive into that story, we've also, I had a conversation with a few folks from our church that we we set up cameras, did a little recording of, and I wanna share with you just a few little snippets of that conversation today as well. Uh, The folks from our church are Jackie and Ryan Spence. Uh, They're a wonderful biracial couple who's been a part of Anderson Hills for a while, and they both serve in our worship ministry over in Fellowship Hall. And then second, uh, or along with them, is another couple, George and Vicki Hart. They are a retired pastoral couple, and George and Vicki uh, had a really challenging job. They were leading two churches at the same time, uh, a white church and a black church, and they actually merged them. That's not easy. And so they've got a lot of experience, in this experience that I personally don't really have. Because the reality is, I've spent 99% of my life or more as a member of the dominant culture, meaning a white guy in a predominantly white community. That's not evil, but it's a thing, and it shapes my perspective. And so my perspective grows as I hear and talk with others around me. So let's listen to Jackie and Ryan's story, because they've got some amazing experiences that somebody like me can learn from. So one of my favorite things about being a new pastor is that I get to hear folks' stories about what brought them to our church and what that experience was like. And I'm wondering, what was it like for you as a biracial couple to come to Anderson Hills, which is a predominantly white church? What was it like to to experience that? For us, it was
1: really really interesting, uh, all the transitions we've seen, because we've been in a predominantly black church, we've been in mixed churches, And it was really surprising when the Lord called us here Mm -hmm. um, because it was not only a predominantly white church, but also it was uh, quite a drive for us. Mm -hmm. And um, we really felt the Lord calling us here. And um, me, I grew up in a white church, and then I ended up going to an only black church that her dad was a pastor of. And then we've just kind of gone through from there Mm -hmm. to where we are now. Yeah.
2: Jackie, how about for you? Um, it has been quite a journey. As Ryan said, you know, I grew up in a predominantly black church, mm-hmm. and that's all I knew. And mm-hmm. so it was really the struggles I had coming here were really unexpected for me. It was really surprising because I've been in predominantly white situations my entire life.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: My family was one of the first black families in Fairfield, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Um, so all my entire school career has been predominantly white. Uh, but when I came to Anderson Hills, um, the anxiety that I experienced was extreme. Mm. And I didn't. it took me a while to understand what was happening. And like I said, it's been a journey with the Lord. But the Lord revealed to me what it was. is Even though I had been in predominantly white situations my entire life, that was never the church. Um In my dad's church I was always it was always my comfort zone. I could be myself, mm-hmm. but then, coming to Anderson Hills, it was like suddenly all my experience before that seemed not good enough mm-hmm. like in in a lot of my prayers, it was me nearly yelling at the Lord like you've made a mistake you've got mm-hmm. to fix me, you've got to change me because i'm not good enough to be mm-hmm. here, and him constantly trying to convince me like you're exactly what you need to be, mm-hmm. where you are. You yeah. trust me. And I'm like, no, you need to change me. And he's like, no, I'm not going to do mm-hmm. it.
0: Can you help me understand what, like, the, the cause of that anxiety of just that that the way I've always done it is not right or not good enough? What, what would lead to that?
2: We're used to assimilating mm-hmm. to what the dominant culture is. Okay. And so even in the Christian world, the dominant culture of what is Christian like, Hillsong, Bethel, Hmm. you usually see white people, a white woman with a particular type of voice. And then me, I have this rich gospel voice. And I I never felt very challenged about that because like I said, I grew up in a black church, but suddenly being in a predominantly white church, I feel like just like in every area, every other area of my life, I have to assimilate and become what people are used to. Hmm.
0: It amazes me to hear you say it, because I can remember before being appointed here, just watching our services online, I remember one of my first ones was I saw you, and I remember saying, oh, thank God, like, (laughs) I am so thankful for your gifts and for who you are, and like, I mean, I didn't even know you at the time, but like, just, I just thought your voice and your presence is so powerful, like, spoke to me, and like, it just, it means a lot to me personally that you would push through all that.
2: I have never not felt welcome here. Never. Hmm. Nobody has ever treated me badly. Hmm. Um, as I said, it's just the way the culture is. But if someone is feeling, if you're asking, you know, what do I do? It's really just about just understanding that for me and other Black people like me, a lot of other Black people, it's a struggle. Being a black minority, and even if nobody asked us, we feel like we have to become to be accepted. Mm. That's really, and it's just understanding that. And then um, when people are asking like, "What can I do?" I, I, it's a journey for each person, like yeah. as the Lord leads you, what is your part in unity, racial unity? what is, what is my? Everybody has a different calling in that. Don't do it out of guilt, please don't. Hmm. Don't do it out of obligation. Just just go to go with the, the Lord. your relationship with the Lord like hmm. Lord, I'm becoming aware of this. What's my next step hmm. and let him lead you in that.
1: I was a mi- minority in the black church for, for several years and it, it was an incredible experience to step out of a white culture and experience a black culture. Hmm. I wish I could have everybody go do that, but that's not realistic. Mm -hmm. Um, But just that that willingness to learn about another culture was an incredible experience for me. Mm -hmm. And I I hope that maybe that's something that somebody else can do. You know, if when you see somebody or you have that opportunity, take it. Mm. Yeah. When you have that opportunity, take take it and um, uh, get to know. Um, people that have a different experience.
2: Yeah.
0: Amen. You know, I think it's interesting because if you notice, there was, for both of them, there was challenge, yet it wasn't because anyone treated them wrong, right? Not like you were not welcome or mean things were said or anything like that. In fact, uh, in other conversation with Jackie, says, she says, people are so over-the-top nice to me here. It's just ridiculous, um, and, she loved it, and so they really do love it here, but it helped me to hear just what that challenge was like, because that's not really a challenge I've lived out many times in my life, and it's helpful to see things from another person's perspective, and that's actually what Jesus does in this story. He challenges us. To look at this story from the perspective, the story is told from the perspective of a guy who's having, well, his worst day ever and perhaps his last day ever. Jesus tells the story in Luke 10, and it begins when a a legal expert, a lawyer, challenges Jesus. And remember that their law, of course, came from the scriptures. So law and theology were hand in hand for them. So this, this lawyer is challenging Jesus, and he says this, Luke 10, 25. Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replies and says, what is written in the law? How do you read it? The lawyer says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. So the lawyer asks a question, and he's really, it seems that he's trying to get Jesus to kind of add some things on, right? You know, what Jesus, what are the, the rules for you? And, and Jesus doesn't fall for that. He goes right to the basics, the core of the gospel, love God, love others. That's what it's all about. We've been talking about that here, first and second half of the gospel, love God, love others. He takes them right to that exact place, and the lawyer realizes he's kind of lost control of the conversation, Lawyers don't like to do that, you know. And so he does what lawyers do best. He looks for a loophole, because that's their job, right? Don't worry, I'll pick on pastors in just a minute, too. It's okay. But he looks for a loophole. How do I get out of this? So he says to Jesus, it says, and he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, Who is my neighbor? In other words, okay, I have to love my neighbor, who is that? And better yet, who is that not? Who can I avoid loving? Let's draw the box around my neighbor and then the rest of them I don't have to worry about. In reply, Jesus tells this story in verse 30. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now, this was a 13-mile journey through the desert. It the, Over those 13 miles, it literally drops about 3,000 feet. There's a whole lot of rocks around, like big boulders around, lots of good places for robbers to hide, not a whole lot of rest stops, and the cell phone coverage is terrible, let me tell you. He's not a CCW guy, right? Because he gets attacked, he's defenseless, and he finds himself beaten up and naked. Why naked? Well, because clothes were very valuable in those days. Wealthy folks might have just a few changes of clothes. Uh, More normal folks might have just one, maybe two, maybe two sets of clothes. So they steal his garments because this is worth something. This and now he's, he's left naked, beaten up, dying in the heat of the desert on a, ba- on a pretty uh, lowly traveled road. This could be his last day. This is terrible. But thank God, a hero is about to arrive on the scene. Verse 31, a priest happened to be going down the same road. Thank God the clergy is here, right? Amen? I mean, we are, our clothes might fool you, but we're some kind of superhero, you know? We can do just about anything, and oh, good news. If you were hearing this story in those days as a Jew, you would have said, thank God. It really stinks you got beat up, buddy, but don't worry the priest is here. The pastor's here. However, that's not how it went, right? Because when the priest happened to be going down the same road, what did he do? Well, he saw the man and passed on the other side. Oh, that's not what I was looking for at all, right? We're supposed to help. And so then, after the priest passes, a Levite who's like an associate pastor comes along. And it says, then a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Oh, my goodness. We're 0 for 2 on the clergy being useful. There's one thing we know that this did not happen on a Sunday, right? Because that's the only day we work. You all know this, right? (laughs) Of course. If you're this guy, you are accepting the fact that this is your worst day ever. And you might seriously die out here. You might seriously die out there. But then, verse 33, it only gets worse. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was. Now, time out. You might say, wait a minute, that's not worse. We all know this. We, we've heard this story, right? A little fill in the blank here. This is the parable of the? Go, oh, yes, you, you guys are so good, right? This is the good Samaritan we know that phrase we have hospitals named good Samaritans we have laws named good Samaritan laws right when you hear Samaritan you just want to say good right warm fuzzy thoughts come in that is not how it was in Jesus day that could be that would be the farthest thing that they would think in fact in Jesus day if I did the same fill in the blank exercise it might be well (laughs) we'll leave it at that We Jews hate Samaritans, period. Our moms taught us that, our dads taught us that. That's our history. We hate Samaritans. You know, I don't have time to go into all the details, but the massive conflict between Jews and Samaritans, Samaritans were viewed as heretics, as people who were not faithful to God's word, They were viewed as traitors, they were viewed as inbreds because they were a pretty small group and they'd only marry then from within their group. They were hated. If a Jew was traveling, had to go by Samaria, they would go all the way around it, not through it. They would not go through Samaria. In fact, Jews had a phrase back in Jesus' day that was commonly said. They said this, it's better to eat pig skin than to eat Samaritan bread. I'd rather eat the skin of an unclean animal. Like, you know, for us, think of the worst thing you can imagine eating. You'd rather eat that than eat with a Samaritan. They hated him. Samaritans and Jews had been fighting against each other, murdering one another, acts of terror, all this kind of thing. The Romans had toned it down a little bit by force because the Romans wanted peace, so they didn't have that. So if anything, the tensions like the emotional tensions probably were higher. This was a hotter issue, I would say, than even any racial issue we've seen in this country, and that's pretty serious. Jews hated Samaritans. So when we hear that a Samaritan is coming, a Jew would say, oh boy, if the clergy doesn't even care about you and a Samaritan shows up, bad news, buddy. It's all over, it's all over. But Jesus continues. When he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, took care of him. The next day, he took out 2 denarii, like 2 weeks of lodging, and gave them to the innkeeper. "Look after him," he said, "and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you might have. Jesus, you have got to be kidding me. Do, do you not know anything about Samaritans? Didn't didn't your parents tell you about them? Have you not been living in this country? Don't you know the history? Don't you know what they've done to us? Don't you know how much we hate them, how we despise them and their stupid land, their stupid laws, all this stuff? We hate Samaritans. How on earth can you tell a story and make a Samaritan the hero? You can't do that. That's not who Samaritans are. They're not good, they're horrible. This story is trash because Samaritans are trash, and I can't believe you even told it, Jesus. It would not have gone over big. But Jesus wasn't backing down. In fact, Jesus says this. Which of these three, priest, Levite, and Samaritan, was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. You can't even say Samaritan, by the way. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Not only did he make the Samaritan the hero, now we have to mimic the Samaritan's behavior. This would have been a tough pill to swallow. And you know, Jesus This wasn't an accident for him. Jesus wanted to address these racial tensions of his day. And he did it in a very direct and painful way. And Jesus does this. Why? Is he just trying to poke at him? No, because, well, the Bible tells us, for God so loved the world. Not the Jewish world, the world not the white world the world not the american world the world god so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life we believe that the ground is level at the foot of the cross that in jesus christ We truly live into this belief that all people are created equal. All are loved equally by God. All are invited into God's family as God's adopted children, regardless of race, gender, social status, financial status, any of that stuff. And so when the Samaritan saw the man on the roadside that day, he knew the guy was Jewish. You're in Israel. This is where they live and he didn't care. He knew it might not be popular, it wouldn't be popular, but he didn't care. He knew it would be costly. He knew it could be dangerous, but he didn't care. Why? Love. Trumped it all. Love overrode all of that. Go and do likewise. When you see somebody hurting, go and do likewise. Your family and friends may judge them. Go and do like the Samaritan. Go and just love. Do what you're called to do. I want to share with you a story that George tells. It's a time where he experienced racism right here in our own community. And I know his story challenges me, and I think it'll challenge you as well on our response to it. Let's listen to this. You know, George, it's always easy to see, for me, to see videos or hear stories of things in other communities and say, thank God, that's not what the world I live in is like. But um, you've lived here for a while in this community. Have you uh, seen examples of racism just right here in Anderson Township?
3: Yes, Um, and I can give you a a specific example. Hmm. Um, It was a few years back, I was in the market for a pickup. And I saw one on a used car lot that was um, less than a mile from here.
0: Okay.
3: And I'll say that it's not there any longer, but um, that's where it was. And so I stopped in one day and I took a look at the vehicle and I asked them how much it was. And, so, and I don't remember the exact numbers, right. but they gave me a price. And... Um, I thought, well, I'll think about it, I'll consider it. And so every day I rode by and I thought, okay, it's still there, it's still there. <laughs> you know, and I'm wondering whether I should go after it or not. And then um, one day it was gone. Hmm. So I pulled in and I went in the office and I said, um, hey, the pickup truck, Is it? have you sold it? And the guy said, yeah, actually we just sold it. And there's the young man that we sold it to. And I turned around, and it happened to be a young man that I knew because his parents attended our church. And so uh, I said, hey, let me see your pickup, you know. Mm -hmm. So I walked outside with him, and I was just curious how much he paid for it. Mm -hmm. So I asked him how much he paid for it. And what he paid was at least 25% more. It was several thousand dollars more that he paid for it than they even asked me for. Plus he had a trade in and I didn't have a trade in and I was just kind of blown away. So uh, I didn't want to tell him that but um, I went home Mm -hmm. and I went home and I started thinking about it and the more I started thinking about it the angrier I got. And so I thought, I'm going back up there. So I went back to the dealership, and I walked into I said I wanted to see the sales manager. So he invited me into his office, and I said, um, so I just got a question for you. The young man that bought the pickup truck that I was looking at, I want to know, I'm just asking you, why did you charge him more than you were asking me for to begin with, plus he had a trade in. And he didn't really have an answer. And so I said, "Um, was it because he was black and you thought you could get away with it? Mm -hmm. And he was furious. Mm
4: -hmm.
3: And he said, how dare you call me a racist? And I said, I didn't call you a racist. I just want to know why you charged him more yeah. for the vehicle. And uh, there was, his assistant manager was outside, and he came in my office, or in the uh, sales manager's mm-hmm. office. And he, um, he, and they were both furious, and they were yelling at me and screaming mm-hmm. at me. And the sales manager was leaning over his desk, kind of threatening me. And they said, do you want us to call the police? <laughs> And at that point, I thought, yes, I did. (laughs) I I would like for you to call the police. But I thought, you know, if I was black, Mm. I'd probably said, no. Mm. I'm getting out of here. Mm. But anyway, um, I made an issue out of it, and um, I just contested the whole thing. you know. And so I felt like I should do something about it. But I thought on the way back up, I thought I cannot go in there angry. I've got to go in there, and be logical, present the truth, and uh, try to present it as loving as I can. But I think, as Jackie said, sometimes it doesn't go the way you expect it's going to go. Yeah. But it did have an impact. Yeah, yeah. It, did. yeah. it did. It did.
0: Takes some courage, you know. But I think it's a great example. Of you see somebody hurting, you're in a position to do something about it, and you do it. We call that stewardship, right? The things that God has given to me that I can use to help bring about God's will in this world. By the power of the Holy Spirit. And you know, when we talk about this, this isn't about a car salesman or a police officer, or anybody else, it's about me. It's about you. The position of our hearts, because I'll just speak for myself, it's easy for those little subtle things to slip in, those subtle mindsets. Satan easily plants those into our head, or just that comfort of i'm like the priest in the story just easier to just kind of go to the other side of the road not bother but god calls us to be different to be loving to all i think just a few things here we can do i'll hit it just real quickly first acknowledge that racism is real because it is it is have we made progress as a country? Yes, absolutely. Thanks be to God. But it's still a problem. It's still real. And it still deserves our attention. Second, pray. And this is no small thing. Like, oh yeah, pastor says pray, of course. No. We believe that prayer changes lives. Literally. Beginning with ours and with others. We pray, God, your kingdom come, your will be done. Here on earth as it is in heaven. So we pray that that would be the case. And third, find your voice. What's God calling you to do? And that is going to look different for different folks. That's okay. But what does it look like for you? I want to show you one more video, and this is from Vicki. And Vicki talks about how she finds her voice, and then she's going to invite us to a discussion that's going to be happening called find your voice it's just a three-week discussion now here's the one drawback it happens at 11 a.m over in 120 and you're like I think I have a prior commitment I get it but you can come to the 830 service for these three weeks if you'd like to be a part of that if God's leading you in that get up a little earlier come in here um, you can uh, be a part of the of church and then go to that conversation if God guides you in that direction uh, but let's uh, check this out together how Vicki found her voice after George Floyd's murder, you, you started meeting with a group, right? Tell me more why did you why'd you do that? What was it like?
4: I did. I, um, I was totally undone when mm. I when I saw this. It was a series of incidences that came up at this time, and then that culminated in George Floyd's death. So I didn't know where to turn. I needed to talk, I needed to process. So I called a black friend of mine who was very much in the same state, maybe even mm-hmm. more so. So we worked on a group together. Mm-hmm. We, I started calling people, a diverse group, people mm-hmm. that didn't look exactly like I do, yeah. and we got together to process. This was right after, and it, I think my black friends were amazed at the reaction that they were, an, this eruption of emotions in, their, in themselves. Mm-hmm. They had stuffed for so long so many things that it erupted and I um, was a little shocked myself because of my, my emotions and I had to be careful that I didn't feel responsible as a white person because there was a lot of anger toward the white community. So we processed and we, this was right after his death, we began to meet and we met on a a monthly basis Mm -hmm. to just process, to get together, to have some hard conversations, to share our feelings. We continued to meet for a, we just celebrated with a barbecue, um, a year of our meeting together. Wow! And um, we're continuing to meet. We met through Zoom for a while when Mm -hmm. COVID peaked, but it has been very helpful And I was really at a loss to know what to do as Mm -hmm. a white person uh, about this issue. So I asked my friend, Karen Mm -hmm. Woods, she runs a ministry of Heart of the Matter Ministries, and she said, Vicki, you need to find your voice. Mm. So I took that to heart and I'm trying to find my voice in what to do next. And so that leads me to this group discussion that yeah. we're planning to have following um, this this discussion. Yeah. And it's called Finding Your Voice. So we're going to gather is, in groups and have some discussions and and yeah. try to, to have some positive outcome from this.
0: Yeah, I love that. So we'll meet for a few weeks and you'll be here and we'll have some conversation together. I think that could be a great next step um, for many of us that... Maybe we're saying, oh, what do I do? You know, what's what's next, or how can I grow? So I want to invite you to be part of that if the Lord leads. And if it's not that specifically, I want to invite you to say, God, how are you calling me to use my voice to to bring unity, to bring love, and to confront evil? How are you calling me to do that? God Would you speak to each one of us? Help us to know the answers to that question. Lord, give us this day our daily bread, God, that we may follow you, hear your voice, and respond. Thank you, God, that you call us not to comfort, but to holiness. Help us to pursue holiness in our hearts, in our actions, in our relationships. God, I pray that you would work in and through us, drawing us closer and closer to yourself as we seek to be your people here in this world. For God, we love you so much, and we are so thankful for the gift of your Son, Jesus, the gift that we can celebrate today as we receive the sacrament of Holy Communion together. Lord, we pray this all in Jesus' holy name. Amen.